Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know that young person who graduated college this past spring and is now getting ready to go get that big job? Well, here, guess what? Get over to Leon Tailoring and check out their career services division. They've got lots of good professional attire, reasonably priced for both your young men and young women who are getting off into that world of work. Hey, they graduated, they did all the interviews, now they got the big job coming up, so make sure they look the part. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, my friends, we decided to just take this week and speak to the chairman of Indiana's political parties. So join us is Evan McMahon, chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana, uh, the chairman of the Indiana Party of Indiana. So, Evan, my friend, how's it going? Good yeah, to see you, my friend. Not too bad. It's doing, doing well. You're looking good. Ah, thank you, sir. Uh, it's my Alaska tan. I still have it. So, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, so how are things going to the Libertarian Party these days? You know, it's going great. We've uh, you know got 54 uh, county parties now. At the end of 2020, we had about 15 uh, so we're now up to 54. We've got candidates running in almost all of those counties. We just actually, uh, yesterday, Lawrence County uh, filed two more candidates to run for local offices. That gives them 11 total candidates on their ballot in that county. First time ever. It's amazing. Uh, when is the filing deadline here in Indiana? Is it, it was, in, end of July? It was yesterday at noon. Okay, so the 30th. Yeah. Or, or the day after you had the... The day after. it was. It's actually July 3rd, but because that's a weekend, it moves to... the. It ended up being the 5th, so yesterday. So how easy, difficult has it been to recruit candidates this year? Uh, I mean, it's it's... In some places, it's, and for some reason, it's really easy. In other places, it's really difficult. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of apathy out there. Uh, a lot of people are just so upset with the state government that they just kind of throw their hands up and say, I'm done. Um, interesting, because I think it would be just the opposite. Um, right. You would think, I mean, going out and, and talking to people and they're they're so angry that you would think they would want to run, but they're just really apathetic to it, you know, and, and especially when you saw what happened in the Republican primaries when the vast majority of candidates that filed to run in the Republican primary got kicked off the ballot. And so that's that's uh, one of those things that, uh, as Destiny Wells would say, the Democrat candidate, uh, that uh, we have a turnout problem. And, and some of that is because of that. You know, if you feel like your voice and your vote doesn't matter, why would you bother? Yeah, because I was going to ask you, what are, it's like a weird question, but what are people apathetic about? You know, it's, it, it really comes down to they just don't feel like they have a place in the state government. They don't feel like they're being listened to. You know, you've got a governor who says, hey, we're going to give you a $125 rebate that takes now it's looking like it's going to take a year for most Hoosiers to get it. Uh, and, and now we're having a special session to talk about a $225 inflation rebate that is likely going to add a 1% bump to inflation in Indiana when the vast majority of Hoosiers are talking about the the two sales or two gas taxes that Indiana puts at the fuel pump and they're just not being listened to and so you know you kind of get pushed back away from wanting to be involved in your government so what is the libertarian message for those Hoosiers who feel apathetic about the current system when it comes to state government vote different you know these people have been in office in a supermajority for over a decade uh, if you feel like you're not getting the representation that you want Vote for somebody else. Uh, you know, incumbency is strong here in Indiana. If you're already elected, you've got over a 90% chance of being reelected. That needs to change. If you're really unhappy, don't push the straight ticket button. Vote for different candidates, whether it's a Green, a Libertarian, or a Democrat. I'd prefer Libertarian, but, you know, mix up your vote. Vote for the people who actually stand on the things that you want and believe in. And if that person then doesn't do those things when they're in office, vote differently come the next election cycle. Uh, how do you 
but can we really expect people to vote differently, so to speak? Uh, just looking back at the primary, uh, a lot of Republican, a lot of Republicans had challengers. People were mad about COVID, you know, and other sorts of things. But I want to say like ninety eight percent of those Republicans got reelected by very comfortable margins. Yeah, but it was also really, really awful turnout. I mean, you look up at Elkhart County. And it was it was something like what like a five percent turnout up there. It was which is ridiculous. And you see that pretty much in every you know election or every race for the primary in Indiana. It was abysmal turnout um, because they you know didn't feel like they had good options or that their candidate that they wanted got kicked off the ballot. I mean, if you're supporting somebody who is challenging the establishment within your party, and that person gets kicked off the the primary ballot. Why go to vote in the primary? If that was your number one reason for voting, why bother going? It doesn't really matter. Um, so, you know, that's something that I think we can capitalize off of. Uh, if maybe not this election cycle, the next election cycle. Um, I think there are plenty of uh, the races that we do have candidates in uh, where people are looking at them and going, yeah. I want a fresh perspective. You look at James Siniak, who's running for U.S. Senate against uh, uh, Todd Young and, and McDermott, the Democrat. Todd Young voted for the was it the Safer Communities Act, the the uh, you know gun control act, and James's campaign just kind of lit up. Uh, you know, and people are really upset about that. So that's one of those election cycles where you know, or one of the candidates in this cycle where we're going to do some damage as as the Libertarian. Evan McMahon, the head of the Indiana Libertarian Party of the Libertarian Party of Indiana with us on the program today. Uh, Evan, uh, one of the things that uh, has always popped up is the, the sector of states race. And that's extremely yeah. important for Libertarians because that provides you guys with ballot access. I want to mm-hmm. say right now, the current law is you get, what, 2%, 2%. Of, of, the, the, of the voting population, you, you end up on the ballot. But there's a chance that Libertarians might actually do a little bit better oh, this yeah. year yeah. Uh, than in last. I want to say if you get, we have, what, 10%, you get ballot access, you have to hold a primary. That's right. Uh, are Libertarians ready to hold a primary? Well, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, it's no surprise that I've been planning for this day and filing a lawsuit against the state over the requirement to hold a primary. I think that our candidates, uh, we've often talked about uh, political parties not using taxpayer money to endorse their candidates and select their candidates. Um, so it's a fight that I hope we get to have uh, come December. Uh, we are prepared for that fight and looking forward to it. Um, but I think, you know, having 54 counties that are very active in organizing and holding events, you know, every month, uh, I think we are ready if we have to go through the primary cycle. I, I don't know that we would have been just two years ago, but I definitely think we've we've grown up as a political party. We have very active campaigns going on. We have our county affiliates going door to door, setting up sign distribution programs, you know, where it's not just, you know, well, who's going to take it now? You know, there's actually people assigned to it. Uh, so we're, we're operating at a higher caliber than I think we ever have before. Now, have you guys filed suit already or getting ready to? No, we won't do it until we actually become a harmed party. I mean, well, we actually are suing the state right now for a different ballot access. That's reason. what I thought. <laughs> uh, but uh, th- this particular one wouldn't come until we actually hit that 10%, and the state requires us uh, to go into the primary. And it's interesting. There were even Republicans this session uh, in the House who uh, for advanced a bill or put a bill forward uh, to give parties the option so they could choose whether or not they wanted to participate in the primary or, or 
do what we've always done, which is nominate our candidates at our privately funded conventions. Now, that, that, which brings up the next question is, can Republican uh, libertarians do a primary and still remain intellectually consistent? You know, I mean, that that's one of the, the, the concerns that I have is just that, is when you have a primary, the party members aren't picking your candidate. The, the public is, the taxpayers who are funding it are. And, you know, and rightfully so if they're paying for it. But at the same time, we should have control over who is going to be our standard bearer for our message and our platform. And I think the Democrats and Republicans should, too. Now, they have a lot more mechanisms and a lot more history where they can, you know, pull the games that they like to do to kick people off the ballot that they don't like. We probably wouldn't have that for a few cycles. Um, And I would be hesitant to do it anyway, just because we've criticized the, the other two parties for doing the exact same thing. Um, so it is it is a concern, and it's why I would want to not have taxpayers paying for our nomination of our candidates. Our guest on the program today is Evan McMahon. Evan is the chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana, and so we figured we'd talk to uh, Evan, also talk to the other uh, chairman of the Democrat and Republican parties um, as well. Uh, you guys have done something I've never seen done before, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, you've teamed up this year with Democrats doing oh, sort yeah. of town halls across Indiana. Uh, help me out here. Why do it? Why team with Democrats? And what's the logic and rationale? I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you two answers. I'm gonna give you the 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 answer I'm supposed to give, which <laughs> is, uh, you know, the voters have the right to hear from uh, the people running for office that are going to represent them, and that is very true. And we need to do everything that we can to engage uh, Hoosiers where they are in their communities, so that they can hear from us. Um. My uh, personal uh, enjoyment uh, was when, you know, Drew from the Democrat Party asked me at the the 420 event at the Indiana uh, Legion. Uh, I said, of course, your stage, you're paying for it. Yes, our candidates will be there. Uh, the, the other benefit was when the Republican Party actually sent them a letter declining to be there and demanding that their own candidates um, not go if even if they wanted to. And so... Having that happen sends a very loud message to Hoosier voters, which is the Republicans don't care what you have to say or what you think. They believe that they have this locked up and that they don't have to campaign for any office because they own your vote. And I love that because even we were at Carmel Fest this past weekend. And when that information was shared with Republican voters, they actually got angry. I think that was a misstep for the Republican Party. Uh, I think that they should have at least come to a few of them and been tripartisan. Um, but I'm perfectly fine with them having the chip on their shoulder that they have, because that's a target to be knocked off. Uh, how have the town hall meetings gone so far? They've been great. Um, you know, some of them have been sparse turnout, uh, but still worth the drive. Uh, but there have been, uh, you know, the one that was just in uh, Hamilton County this past week and one in Boone County. Uh, there's one tonight in Middlebury, Elkhart. Um, you know, they've been packed and it's been good questions. The candidates are not up there, you know, patting each other on the back or anything like that. They're digging at each other and digging into their policies and pushing back on one another. And the questions from the audience have been a mix of, you know, kind of libertarian, democratic and Republican questions. So it's, it's been just amazing to see that, that, that turnout and the people in those communities that actually care and want to hear. How are you guys doing in the Secretary of State's race? I think it's going really well. Uh, Jeff Moore has, 
you know, refined some more of his positions. Uh, he's finding his footing, going out to all the county fairs, obviously these these town halls with the, the Democrats. Um, you know, it's now that we ha- we know who the nominee is, you know, you have to kind of try to change your strategy. You know, you have two plans, one if it's Holly Sullivan and one if it's Diego Morales. And now that, you know, it is Diego, uh, you got to switch things up a little bit. You can't attack Diego uh, for his, you know, the the failures of the office, um, at least not recent failures of the office, uh, on him because he wasn't there. Um, so we have to kind of retool uh, that messaging and 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 things like that. But it's going really well. Um, what did you think when Diego won the uh, Republican convention a couple weeks ago? Uh, Were you shocked or surprised? I was shocked and not surprised at the same time. Uh, I was shocked that uh, Team Holcomb didn't do a better job of getting uh, delegates elected in the primary. I think that they left out some some key areas and didn't, didn't do a proper whip count. Um, that was surprising to me. Knowing that, I am not surprised that there were uh, a, a large number of anti-establishment uh, people there to rebuke uh, Eric Holcomb. Um, they're not happy with the governor. Uh, and that was clearly demonstrated at that convention. Um, you know, Daniel Elliott, what was it? One, one vote? Yeah. Uh, three votes. <laughs> three votes. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty telling. Um, so it, very interesting. Uh, let's go back to circle back to Jeff Moore. Uh, we're going to get him on the program in the, in the next couple of weeks or so and some change. Uh, what is Jeff's strategy plan to, at least be competitive in the Secretary of State's race. You know, it's just really it's about going out there and talking to voters about the the issues that are relevant to that office that actually impact the lives of that particular Hoosier or that community. Um, you know, election integrity, uh, being able to audit the vote. Um, you know, the, the state stepped it up. They doubled it from five counties to 10 counties. It should be 92 counties. There should be an instant audit for all 92 counties. Uh, At one of the town hall debates, um, the Democrats uh, actually said something that's going to shock you, Abdul. They said that would be too expensive. Democrats were worried about the cost of doing an election audit. Um, But so, you know, things like that, about how the Secretary of State interacts with small businesses in Indiana, uh, how the state interacts with or gives away a ton of money and benefits to big corporations that come here at the sacrifice of small Indiana companies. You know, those are all things that are within the purview of the Secretary of State's office. And so Jeff's going out, and it's a grassroots, going door to door, boots on the ground, uh, ringing the doorbell, talking to people, going to these events, going to county fairs. Um, I haven't seen either one of the other candidates at any of the county fairs, at least not the ones that I've been to. Evan McMahon, the chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana, with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Uh, let's change gears a little bit, switch from the state level to the federal level. How are you guys doing with federal candidates these days? Uh, so we have uh, a couple of candidates running uh, for the U.S. House, uh, and obviously James Siniak running for the U.S. Senate. We have Tanya Millis down in the 9th District. She actually ran against Trey Hollingsworth the last cycle. Uh, and did really well for a libertarian in a, in a three-way race. Um, she's back at it again. Um, and I will say, I was down with her at the Marion, or excuse me, Monroe County Fair uh, this past week, and it was nice to see her there all day, several days, when one of her opponents came in literally for five minutes to take a photo and then left. And I watched that happen, and I was 
very disheartened to see that. Um, Andrew Horning, who I, I, I know you know and are very familiar with, running in the 8th District, um, Gavin Maple in the 7th District, uh, Will Henry, who is originally running for our nomination for U.S. Senate, is running up in the 2nd District. Uh, so those are all, you know, great races. They're all going out door to door. They're talking to people. They're doing the same things that we're doing on the local level, just expanding it. Um, do you expect this uh, election cycle to be different than previous election cycles? I do. I do. I think we're going to break some records. I think we're going to uh, win more seats than we've won before. Um, there are a couple of uh, state ledge seats that I think are in serious play. Um, Indiana could be the the second state to elect a libertarian to the legislature. Um, quick, so we have close up shop here. Uh, we got the special session coming up. It's supposed to start this week. Won't start until the twenty fifth. Yeah. Uh, we got the the tax cut issue on the the additional tax issue. We also got. I hear uh, that's it. That's all they're doing. The yeah. Also, the, the the abortion issue is uh, out there as well. So Republicans try to figure out what uh, Indiana's new abortion law should look like. Where are libertarians on the abortion issue? So we're kind of interesting. We don't have a fixed formal position on, you know, abortion um, because people can come from both sides of the argument in good faith with a, a sound liber- liberty based answer. Um, so we just ask people to remember that our platform uh, does recognize bodily autonomy, medical freedom, rights to privacy and the right of the individual in any policy that they make. Um, so we've put out a written policy that encourages the uh, legislature with any law that they may draft, uh, and we may push back on whatever that law may be or may not be. We would also like them to encourage uh, or to look at uh, encouraging families to engage their their children in age-appropriate sex education, um, pr- uh, private support of nonprofits that provide, uh, you know, reproductive health, uh, you know, condoms, contraceptions, things like that. We need to drop the barriers to foster care and adoption in Indiana. Um, You know, those are some, and and a big one for me is treating rapists like the violent criminals they are. Um, Those things help drive down the perceived need or desire for abortions. And when we're passing a law restricting abortion, we should also be tackling those issues as well. Um, I would say that, you know, abortion laws have existed. Abortion has existed longer than those laws. It's since the dawn of time. Um, It's not going to go away. But we as citizens uh, can do more uh, to maybe drive down that need or desire. All right. Evan McMahon, chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. Evan, my friend, as always, sir, thank you very much for being with us. Looking forward to talking to you again real soon. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.